I was at a a pretty big church here in town. Yeah. And um, gosh, there were definitely times where I was playing in front of you know, 2,500 people at a service and I start, like, I just started the wrong song. Yeah. <laughs> and had to start over. <laughs> this is a mistake. I'm John Mark and I'm 31 <laughs> and I'm married. My wife's name's Ashley. We've been married for, this year will be 10 years. Wow. Stop. Congrats. 10 years, yeah. That's we got, big. I was, uh, so I was 22 when we got married. She was 24. So 10 years, it's here. It's crazy. I can't believe that. Yeah. We have two kids, four years old and one. So Moses and Zion, they're sweet. They're, uh, they're a lot of fun. They're exhausting and very fulfilling at the same time. So it's a, it's a balance. It's <laughs> yeah. up and down thing but uh I work so I actually for the first time in my life this is the first time that I've actually had I started a full-time job I don't know if you saw but um the first time I've ever had a full-time position anywhere um so I work at a church now I'm a worship pastor at a church here in town but before that up until that point uh I was basically always either some kind of combination of musician for hire that also played in bands um, and did some studio stuff, but I taught, you know, private lessons as well and played at churches and different things like that. So there was always a balance of like multiple, multiple things happening in order to make my income situation work. Mm -hmm. So this is the first time that I actually have a full-time job. It's kind of crazy. How nice. does that feel? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it feels really good. I was the last, probably the last year I was, I was teaching a lot. I had, um, 30 students wow. that I, that I taught privately Dang. and it started to become, it was a lot to kind of handle and just kind of go through 30 students every week. Um, and, and you're having to, do, and because the students are all in school, you're having to do it you know, from the hours of two to eight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, so all that was fine until we had kids. And then, you know, that desire to be at home with the right. family at night, yeah. uh, you know, it started to wear on me, especially yeah. after we had our second. And so just, you know, the desire to be home and actually spend that time with the family. So the last year was kind of stressful and, uh, but yeah, so it, in other words, it feels great <laughs> to have yeah. a, like a, like kind of normal hours yeah. now. Yeah. So I'm still gigging and stuff like that. Like I'll right. still play, but I'm, I'm not having to rely on it as much, Yeah. Yeah. which is, which is nice and different. Yeah. You play a variety of instruments. So when you're teaching, was it drums and guitar? Yeah, it was primarily drums yeah. and some guitar and I play keys too yeah. but I'm not very proficient at teaching mm -hmm. piano particularly like from a classical perspective because I don't read music yeah um, I learned how to play you know guitar and keys by ear so you know if I had a parent that wanted their child to learn music I'd be like I can't <laughs> can't do that yeah. I can teach them chords it's about it yeah so pr yeah primarily drums and guitar yeah and I sing some too but I 
would never teach uh, <laughs> voice because I'm not a good singer uh, and I don't sing properly. So yeah, that would be a disaster. <laughs> I heard, like 30 students sounds like it's exhausting. You have to keep good notes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because then you get lost. <laughs> You're like, wait, who are you again? <laughs> Where do you go to school? I think I I've used to feel really bad because I would like ask the same questions a lot and uh-huh. the kid. Like, you know, a couple of weeks in a row, especially if it was like a newer student, sometimes, sometimes I would get, I would have a, like a student turnover a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'd have like, you know, maybe at the end of the month, let's say, you know, four students kind of stopped taking lessons or froze their account or they wanted to wait after the summer was over or whatnot. So then I would get a bunch of new students at the same time and then I would forget. So I'd be like, I'd be asking them the same questions yeah. all the time and they would be like, you asked me that last week. I'm like, I'm so sorry. That's my bad. I can't, I can't like, keep you track. You have to remember one person. I right. remember 30. Exactly. You're the fifth today. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you do music full time and you have for a long time. Mm-hmm. How much do you write? Like. Yeah. So with with writing, it's definitely ebbed and flowed over the years yeah. for me. Um, I've had times, I've had years where I was writing a lot and a lot of different material was coming out for different things. And then I had periods where uh, I just really, I try to sit down and couldn't write anything at all, wouldn't come up with anything. So, you know, I would just sort of take a break from it for a little bit, try to move on to something else. But writing for me is probably a lot different than, you know, some of some of the singer songwriters that you've had on the podcast. Um, Whereas I'm not necessarily a solo artist. Right. So I've written in bands a lot before Mm -hmm. in band scenarios. We used to. So some of my some of the first bands that I was in when I was like 15 (laughs) So, and you came to some of our shows, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So That's you know, how long we've known each other. Yes. It's like, since you're like 15. I, I, I know, it's like been a while. <laughs> 14, 13, something. Yeah. Yes. Just a bunch of young, crazy kids. Uh, <laughs> Very different. <laughs> yeah. We used to, so we used to play uh, in like metal bands and me, nice. me and a, bu- a lot of my friends. With those bands, it was mostly like, it was less lyrical content and more like arranging. So mm-hmm. typically I'm primarily a drummer. Um, but because I play other instruments, I definitely have, I feel like I have a different approach when it comes to writing music, especially within a band context, because yeah. I'm, I can, I can still approach it in a way where I understand what everyone in the band is playing to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe if you were a drummer and you didn't know any music theory or you didn't know chords, you know, you may have a slight disconnect or you may not know how to talk about ideas that you have or that you want to see play out in a song right so those first few bands it was kind of that that sort of vibe where I was just providing you know uh, arrangement help with songs tying those together and when we started playing heavier music the arrangements got more complex and technical and uh, so a lot of that stuff would be written by me in a in a weird sort of way where it would be like lots of rhythmic things that are happening where the whole band is doing you know where the drummer's basically doing like a breakdown yeah and you have the guitar players kind of following along with that type of stuff so I would write in that context but 
off off to the side i was i've always like written songs whether or not people have heard them or not i've always tried to to use that part of what i do and so i think some of the first songs i started to write after the the phase of metal bands that i was in would probably be like stuff for church you know like yeah. stuff like that which it which it has a very specific like focus it's it's yeah. very different than yeah. just writing like a folk song or writing right. a pop song even and or and really even like writing like a christian radio song because christian radio is horrible yeah and so yeah. <laughs> no one should write that anyway. <laughs> exactly who, who are these people that write this <laughs> So for like for worship stuff in particular for the church, it's like very specific when it comes to lyrical content and what you're what you're drawing from in order to put it down. So in a way, it's it's a it limits you in a lot of ways. Um, so you kind of have to work within within this context of, you know, these are like themes that I can talk about. These are ideas that we can sing about. And then how can we write it in a way that is singable to where a lot of people that are gathered together mm-hmm. can sing that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, which a lot, so and, and a lot, yeah. And a lot of pop music does that too, yeah. obviously. Right. Yeah. I mean, you go to, you know, Coldplay or Bruce Springsteen show or whatever it is and everyone's singing the words and they're singing it right. together. So, you know, that's sort of the, in a roundabout way, that's sort of the end goal is to kind of get everyone seeing these ideas mm-hmm. together. But it's definitely different because you're not singing about a relationship or yeah. or whatever. Right. So, so I was in this band called The Sleep Design. And the sleep design was uh, an instrumental band. So this was sort of after the metal days. Mm -hmm. And um, that was a lot of fun because we we tried to, we pulled a lot of influence from like explosions in the sky. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of This Will Destroy You. Yeah. Bands like that, Sugoros, kind of post-rock, ambient shoegaze type stuff. So we would get together it actually didn't start as a band. It just started with uh, John Ball and myself, and you remember Mikey yeah. Wilson. So we would get together and we would just get in John Ball's pool house mm-hmm. and jam. Yeah. And we would have Garage Band. We didn't have anything fancy, so we'd have Garage Band on our Mac, and we would just hit record with the yeah. with the open mic <laughs> in the room and just record whatever it is that we came up with. So sometimes it could have been silly. Sometimes it was you know we were taking it serious. Um, and then we had this other guy named Nathan come in and join with us and kind of became a four-piece band. And uh, we ended up, we got together a lot and would jam, record it, not talk about anything, just sort of whatever happens in the moment. Mm-hmm. And we ended up with like 30 hours of material that yeah. we just came up with on the spot. <laughs> and... Uh, so you're like, what are we gonna do with this? I guess we're kind of a band now. Like we, yeah. like we accidentally started a band. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, with no intention of starting a band or playing shows or anything, it right. was more of just the, the creative process at yeah. work, right? It was like, 
let's just see what happens. Like we all we all play music. Let's get together in a room and see what we can come up with. And uh, so we we did a couple of records with that stuff. And that's some of the stuff that I've personally enjoyed the most out of what I've done. Has just because it, it's a very uh, freeing, cathartic experience to not to not have to deal with since there's no lyrics there's there's a lot of freedom musically with what you can do melodically how, how much you repeat certain themes right. and kind of developing a song that way that's some of my favorite stuff that that i've been a part yeah. of like musically speaking i um, like whenever i think back to like the bands that i know that you've been in and created along the way and even what you're doing now like that's the one that stands out the most in my mind because i feel like all you guys were so excited about it because yeah. it felt like you were all releasing something at the same time, like just literally emotionally releasing something. Yeah. And so it's one thing that always sticks out the most in my mind when I think back to really all four of you with what you've done in your all four musical careers. Yeah. I loved that stuff and I still listen to it every now and oh, then. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of shows when, especially when you play instrumental music, like I saw, I think explosions in the sky, they were here fairly recently yeah. they, they played iron city um i'd never seen them live before it was amazing and so there's something powerful uh, without anyone saying any lyrics yeah. at all using any words yeah. the, the the power that music and melodies and yeah. chord structures and just the way all that comes together there there's um I don't know. There's it stirs up a lot of emotions yeah. in people without having to say a single yeah. word. It's pretty incredible. Well, yeah. I think it breaks down those barriers that you like yeah. when you write a specific song and you're trying to portray a specific message. And you know whether it be a Christian song or it be a secular song or a pop song or whatever you're gonna whatever it is, it you are automatically putting yourself in a singular lane, and you hope that people jump on with that but when it's just melodies and it's just ambient music it's every single person can listen to it and it stirs those emotions in each person in a different way which is really yes. cool that it means so many different things and it can mean so many different things at the same time yeah and and what you said about kind of breaking down barriers mm -hmm. like breaking down like you know language barriers for example I mean we were you know I don't say like we were not like a big band or a well-known band by any stretch of the imagination, but we, we partnered with this website that uh, was putting out free music. They were called come and live. And uh, they were, they had a bunch of bands kind of on their roster that would basically, it was sort of like noise trade, you know, you would basically mm -hmm. just go on and you could see what music was available. You could download or give like whatever you wanted to give. Yeah. So we, we uh, put, our two albums on that site and it was cool because they already had like a built-in audience mm -hmm. from all over the world and we never I mean we did like local shows maybe we played in Nashville a couple of times yeah. but we didn't do anything and um it was cool to see people from other countries commenting on our Facebook page yeah. and just saying you know how much our music meant to them and just kind of you know, we, we got really cool emails about how people were, you know, going through a really tough uh, season in their life and how our, mm -hmm. you know, just playing our music helped them like get through that. It's kind of, kind of crazy stuff. But it, when you kind of eliminate those, those language barriers, you really kind of just open it up to yeah. so many interpretations yeah. that people can take from 
just music. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Are you currently playing with anybody now? The last artist that I played with was uh, was Preston Loving Good, mm. and uh, man, his record's about to come out. And yeah. Gosh, it's so good. I think tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. It's so good. So that's a free plug, Preston, for <laughs> yeah. you, if you're listening. One thing that I have been working on is uh, is the project called Shades, which is sort of loosely based out of the church, but it's basically like a... It's, it's guys that I've been writing with and sort of like a songwriting collective in a way. Father, we have wandered Fashioned empty atoms that serve ourselves Casting our own image Remind us who you are Father, we've forgotten That you've called us together To bear each other's burdens We're, try, we're, we're trying our best to basically write songs that can be used in a church service, but that go deeper musically and lyrically than kind of your, your typical run-of-the-mill worship stuff that you would hear at kind of a, a mega church or uh, on the radio or something like that. We're trying our best, but we've, we've been writing a lot, and I think... You know, having multiple people write together has actually been, from a writing perspective, it's actually a lot of fun for me because I feel like when you get in a scenario where you're writing with a few people, everybody can kind of rely on each other's strengths. Yeah. So for me, like, my strength is more from a musical perspective. I enjoy trying to come up with progressions and melodies, and I'll write some lyrics too, but I'm more of uh, focused on those things. Then I have other people that are better at writing lyrics, yeah. and they may be uh, at writing chord progressions, and so we're able to kind of come together and talk about this idea of a song that we want to put down, and in a lot of ways, I think it's, it's a lot easier. It becomes a team effort, and it's... It's very energizing and it's a lot of fun to be in a scenario like that where you're bouncing ideas off of one another. I think it's a lot harder if you are a singer-songwriter and you're kind of trying to write from a personal space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's harder to, to get with someone and try to 
you know, hash those ideas out right. because it's already vulnerable already, yeah. right? Because you're you're writing from some personal experience or whatever it is. So then to bring someone else into that context is a little difficult. But with what we're doing with the shade stuff, it's it's a lot easier to come together and write stuff. So that's something that I've personally been enjoying. So we've been working on a record. We've actually been doing a bunch of stuff at Comves in Woodlawn and um, tracking some stuff there. We're trying to, musically, we're trying to do something that is kind of marrying these ideas of like, we, we, we're tired of the way worship music sounds all the time mm-hmm. because it all sounds the same. Yeah. So we're trying to figure out how do we break past that, but also like weighing an importance on lyrics because a lot of times lyrics are just kind of shoddy or they're yeah. vague or they're, you know, whatever it is. And I'm, you know, I don't mean to say that about the entire worship music industry. I think there's, when I think about it, I have very specific ideas when I think about that. But so that's, that's kind of what we're trying to do with that project. So it's, yeah, that's cool. It's been cool for us. So, yeah. Y'all do have stuff out already, right? We have some stuff out. We did like a, a three song EP. And it was more, the instrumentation was more acoustic driven, acoustic yeah. and piano, but we're, this project that we're working on is a full length. And so it'll be a full band project. Nice. So we're drawing from a lot of different influences. I mean, you know, a lot of stuff that a lot of people love like Bonnie Vare and Sugar Rose and Yonsei and yeah. Damian Rice, you know, right. Glenn Hansard. We try, we try to draw from kind of those aspects musically and try to come up with something. So, yeah. So hopefully we'll finish up at some point, maybe by the fall and have, have some more material out for yeah. people. Rad. Yeah. That's, That's super awesome. cool. Yeah. So what is the, the journey like from a 15 year old in a metal band <laughs> to a full-time musician? <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> One with many ups and downs and disappointments <laughs> and failures. No, I mean, yeah, I didn't really have a plan. Yeah. <laughs> so what fifteen-year-olds have a plan? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, even after that, I didn't have a plan. Even when I was like nineteen, I didn't have much of a plan. I was like, what? Some people ask me, "What are you gonna do?" Like, I'm just gonna. What are you talking about? I'm gonna play music. <laughs> you know, like, what else would I do? Yeah. Yeah, I mean. So when I, when I was in those metal bands, we wanted to tour, we wanted to make records. That's what we wanted to do. Yeah. So that was kind of like our goal, but it was very, it wasn't well thought out. Like we didn't know what that even meant. So the big thing, you know, back then, this was probably, you know, Oh four, Oh five, Oh six. It was like, we got to get signed. If we can get signed by a label, we'll get some, you know, some financial backing, then that's, that's how we're going to make it. Yeah. And a lot of times when you're saying that as a kid, you don't even know what all that entails. You don't know what that means. Like you have no idea yeah. about the music industry at all and how things work. We're just kind of naive kids that really just love to play music and, uh, which most kids are, it's great. So my journey basically was, going through these bands and when I graduated high school like I said like I just thought I'll either keep playing in bands I'll play for a 
artist, maybe an artist will hire me and I'll go out on tour with them. Mm-hmm. So I didn't go to college. Like <laughs> There wasn't, you know, and I didn't, and I wasn't really getting, I wouldn't say I wasn't getting much direction, but it was like, I was just sort of out there floating in space, like trying to figure out how to do this. Yeah. How does a musician just start and right. just say, I want to be a musician today. Yeah. Okay. Well, what does that look like? <laughs> like sign me it's up. not like going to Walmart and yeah. applying for a job and then getting said job. Right. It's like, well, I'm going to have to practice by myself and then I'm going to have to find other people that want to play music with me. And then we're going to have to write and then the songs have to be good and we all have to be talented and we yeah. all have to be on the same page. I mean, it's a hard thing to just be in a band. Yeah. So I didn't have much of a plan. And I think really what started to happen was I started to see more of where my niche could probably be was, okay, I've kind of got some church stuff going on. I'm playing in bands. There's some people that I know that are, pursuing music as a career as a songwriter and artist so i'm going to stick with those people when they play shows i'm going to play with them mm-hmm. so it'll it, it opened up a lot of doors it allowed me to to you know do some touring and 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 really it allowed me to get to a point where you know i could balance a lot of the music stuff with teaching and other things and financially make it work i mean i yeah. was never making a ton of money i still don't make a ton of money but I don't know. I think those are just the the tough things. Like, you know, I taught so many students that were, you know, I was like them at one point. (laughs) And they kind of have this this preconceived notion of what it looks like. I remember having this one kid that was really sweet and uh, was in a band and he was like 16. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember him just saying something to me one time like, uh, you know, if I could just, all I want to do is just go on one tour. If I could just go on one tour with my band, like I would be set. Like I wouldn't yeah. have to do anything, you know, <laughs> sort of that mindset of yeah. like, I don't know, like mo- most, when most people are getting into music, they just really don't know what all it entails. And I would, my advice to anyone that's young would number one be, if you really want to do it, I would still probably pursue some sort of schooling (laughs) after high school because (laughs) yeah, because you can have a backup plan. You can always like, I had friends that, that moved to Nashville that, you know, went to Belmont and would, you know, were in school for like two years and they were kind of playing and playing around town and gigging. And then they met somebody and they're like, Oh, I get to go on tour. So they took a break. Yeah. It's like they took a break from school. That's perfect. You know? So that would kind of be my advice to, to younger folks that are, that are wanting to uh, get involved in music. And I I just think, you know, and and really like Birmingham's a great city. It's definitely not like necessarily a musical hub. So, you know, there are a lot of great local bands. I think it's a really good place for like indie bands, it seems like um, to me, which I think is cool to have that culture here. But if you want to be like a a for-hire musician you may want to consider moving to a, yeah. to a bigger city. You may want to consider 100%. moving to Nashville or Atlanta or yeah. 
New York or LA or something like that and, and just giving it a shot and seeing if it works. Yeah. That was something that I never personally did, but I right. always, for me, it just kind of worked out to where I always had enough contacts in different places. I could, I could piece together, you know, my workload for the year, play with this person, play with this person, you know, do a little tour here, do a little run here. Yeah. Balance it with lessons and other things, studio time, yeah. and kind of make it work. And sometimes, even if you are in Nashville, even if you are in a big city, that's not the answer to all your problems. Sure. You're still probably going to have to hustle like that. Yeah. For me, it was just good because I didn't have to, I didn't necessarily have to work at a coffee shop or something like that. I didn't really mm-hmm. have to do any of that. So, uh, and some people definitely have to do that, uh, especially if you move to a bigger town. So, yeah. No, those would be some things that that I would say to younger folks that that want to pursue music full time and like yeah. make a try to make a living off of it. It's a very difficult thing to do, but it can be done. You yeah. got to work freaking hard um, because a lot there are a lot of really good musicians out there, yeah. and so you gotta you gotta work your ass off. You know, uh, when I was like, I think I was either nineteen or twenty, I got asked to do this little studio session. This guy that I really didn't know, uh, didn't really know him that well, and he had put out some music, and, you know, personally, like, I didn't really like his music that much, yeah. but I was like, well, you know, it's a gig, like, I'm not just going to turn it down because right. I don't like it, and we did it at this studio, he told me, and it's kind of, uh, it's here in town, it's a studio, and I'm not going to name the producer's name, but, you know, he's he's done, like, some bigger, like, I guess, like, rock projects and stuff. So I'd never met him before, and he had a really nice place. So we went there, I met him, he kind of got me set up. And I just kind of remember being young and feeling I didn't really prepare that well. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of think I was like, I'm just going to phone this one in, was Mm -hmm. kind of my attitude, and it was a really bad attitude to have. And and I'm a bad procrastinator, too, in general. So it would be like, you know, the day before, and and I'm like, I've had the songs for like a week. Yeah. And it's the day before and it's the first time that I'm trying to listen to these. (laughs) You know, it's just him him and an acoustic playing. Yeah. So I'm having to come up with... How is how is this song going to sound? Right. I, there's no other instruments on this thing, so I'm trying to put my my mind in a place where I'm like, okay, think about what the electrics may be doing. What's the bass going to be doing here? So I'm like helping like lay a foundation for this music. Yeah. And I just remember getting in there, and this guy, the producer, was you know pretty intimidating, and I'm not very. I'm not confrontational at all. <laughs> and so I don't like confrontation. I, I just remember getting set up and kind of hitting, you know, hitting some drums to get some sounds for him. Mm-hmm. And I remember him making a comment like right away. I hit the, I hit the kick drum a couple of times with my foot and I just remember him and he didn't ha it was like he, it was like he hit the button to my headphones so that I could hear what he was saying, but he didn't have to do this. And he was like, okay, he's got a lazy foot. Um, (laughs) like basically, which is, which sort of like means like when you're playing drums, sometimes like if you have like a lazy foot, sometimes that means like maybe your control of the kick drum pedal maybe isn't where it needs to be. So sometimes the, maybe the tone's not right, or maybe you're accidentally like, 
you know, the, the kick drum pedal is like slightly like making this smaller, like what we would call like a ghost note behind like the actual note that you're playing on the drum. Anyways, so he kind of made like an offhanded comment about that. And then it just sort of deteriorated after that. And I just felt like, (laughs) I felt like trash. I mean, he, he, and it's not like he ripped me a new one, but he was definitely like, okay, you know, I was there for probably an hour and a half or two hours and tried to track three songs that I just felt like I didn't really know very well. And he wasn't giving me much feedback or much direction at all. So I felt Mm -hmm. sort of lost in the mix. And, uh, and so I ended up like, I still got paid to do it, but they didn't use, they hired like another drummer. They didn't use really? any of my Aww. takes. So I knew that I, ba- which was basically the equivalent of getting fired. It yeah. was like, you're not good enough, dude. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to hire somebody else. So you can just leave now. <laughs> but it, in a lot of ways though, it was a good experience for me because it's like, okay, you know, I need to take, if, if I'm going to do this, I was still really young then at that time. Yeah. If I'm going to do this, like, this isn't just going to come easy. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've got to stop procrastinating and I've got to take these things seriously. Even if it's a gig that I feel like maybe it's not, you know, you can't go into it thinking this gig's not going to get me anywhere. There's, there's really not a lot of pressure here. It's like, no, just like take everything seriously. Make it, make it seem like you're playing in Madison square, Yeah. <laughs> even though you're not, you know, like try to, try to take it to that level of seriousness. So in a lot of ways that ex- I always go back to that experience when I was younger, I had done some studio stuff before, but that was, that was like one of my bigger experiences that helped, I feel like shaped me. So even though the dude was kind of a jerk, I was like, uh, at the end of the day, kind of helped me a little bit. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I feel like you always learn a lot when you kind of fall on your face a little bit. <laughs> yes. Always. Okay. So let's go back a little ways. Almost. Birth? <laughs> Not that far. <laughs> Not that far. I probably could pull up some stuff from there. But so when I was in my first band, when I was, let's see, 15, maybe 16. It's 2004, so probably 16. And we played this, uh, we were kind of like, a, we were like a Christian band, you know, like doing some rock stuff. So we played at this Battle of the Bands in Montgomery, and we're all about the same age, we're all pretty young. And it was like this... Uh, I don't know. It was like a it, it was like a pretty big event. It was like this outdoor uh, venue, kind of off of the the river there, whatever it is over there. Like it's like a riverfront was amphitheater. It the Wall amphitheater. I played there. Yeah. So we did a battle. <laughs> He's from Prattville. He yeah. knows those places. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that amphitheater. Yeah. So we did this battle of the bands. There was. So are you from? Montgomery, like right next door. Okay, yeah. So I opened for Erica Badu there. So. Oh, very nice. No, no. dude, killer. <laughs> yeah, no big, no big deal. Whoa. <laughs> there was this other band uh, that was I forget what they put us in. I don't think they knew what to do with like a Christian band, so they put us with in the same category as this really well known. Uh, I guess they were like a reggae band from Montgomery. They were called the Bulletproof Marshmallows. Yep. You remember I them? I know them. So anyways, so an they interesting combination. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of weird, but I guess it was like they were trying to figure out a way to do like an eclectic kind of mm. genre. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. And so, and basically what, what would happen is if you won your, if you won your division or whatever, you would go play at, I think it was Montgomery city fest, which was kind of like their equivalent of when we had city stages. Yeah. So kind of like, you know, pretty big bands, but not like massive bands, but very well-known people. Yeah. So anyways, we did our thing. We lost, but they, uh, we lost to the Bulletproof Marshmallows and, but they asked us to come back and play like on the Christian stage or whatever. They're like, you guys are, you know, young, like we'll give you like an early slot and come and play. Yeah. So it's like, cool. So we go back to Montgomery, we do the city fest thing and we're playing our set and it's kind of early in the day. There are a bunch of tour buses around backstage and as we're playing our set, I look over to kind of the side stage area and there's this guy there. So I'm 16. So there's this guy who's probably in his 30s, shoulder length hair, is watching us play. And he's just kind of by himself. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. It's kind of interesting. This guy's just watching us play. So we get done with our set. We do our thing. And I'm loading off my stage, loading all my gear off the stage. And, uh, he, I walk o- over to him because he's still sitting there and he's like, uh, Hey man, you guys, you guys sounded really great. Like that was awesome. You know, great work up there playing drums. And he was wearing an Nirvana t-shirt and it really threw me off because he had an Australian accent and I was just like, I don't know like who this is, like yeah. what is going on right now? So I kind of just briefly talked to him, not very long. And then I said something like, so do you play drums? He's like, no, I play guitar. And I was like, awesome, man. That's great. And I kind of walk off and go hang out with my, my buddies and we're just kind of talking. Well, I guess what I didn't, what I forgot to realize was that after the Christian bands were done on that stage, mm-hmm. the country stage took over <laughs> on the same stage. And all those artists, a lot of those artists were there already. Yeah. And, and I was like 16. I don't listen to country music. Yeah. So turns out the guy was Keith Urban. (laughs) (laughs) Keith freaking Urban in a Nirvana t-shirt. And he's like, dude, you do sound really good. You're playing the drums. And I'm like, thanks, man. Do you play drums too? (laughs) I have no idea who you are. So I like the I, the one time I meet like probably the most famous person I've ever met in my life. I have no idea who he is. He's yeah. in the music world <laughs> and I totally am just like, "Yeah, dude, I have no idea who you are. See you later." He's like headlining the country stage that yeah. night. <laughs> so that was that was a funny mishap that's that incredible. happened. That's amazing. <laughs> Honestly, if I was a country person, I'd probably do the same thing except for Keith Urban. Just Well, now yeah. I know. now now I know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But at 16, no way I would have known. Yeah. Honestly, we we won the Battle of the Bands. That's how we opened for Erica Badu. And later that night, Taylor Swift was playing that stage. Holy and it was crap. whenever she was still country. And yes. they were like, if y'all want to hang out like backstage the rest of the day, go ahead. Yeah, dude. And um, we were like, it's Taylor Swift. We don't care. So we just left. <laughs> God, you guys are so stupid. She, how old was she? Was she like? She's probably sixteen with curly hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really young. Yeah, like when she came by, to, like swung that over to so Auburn fun. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we could have we could have met Taylor Swift, but we d- also didn't give a shit about country music. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
I mean, well, the whole thing <laughs> threw me off because I'm like, he's got a Nirvana T-shirt. Like, I'm very yeah. confused right now. Like, you're that's not an Australian Christian. accent. <laughs> you're not. Yeah, you're not a Christian artist. Like, you're not a country. You can't be a country artist, surely. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, we we hung out that night. We didn't stay for his set, but uh, this other country artist named Dirks Bentley. Have you guys mm-hmm. ever heard of Dirks? Yeah. He played. So we did get to meet him and and talk to him for a second, which was cool. And we tried to. We had our backstage pass, so we mm-hmm. tried to. We were like walking around to other stages, so we tried to get backstage for when Hootie and the Blowfish were playing. Yeah. Oh yeah! And the first lady led us back there, so mm-hmm. we're like, "Holy crap! Like we're back. We're about to like." Holy, which we didn't really care about Hootie and the Blowfish, right. but it was like we were young, and it was like this is awesome. We're yeah. like backstage <laughs> with these big time musicians, and sure enough, some dude saw us immediately and kicked us out. He was like, yeah. "There's no one allowed back here right now. I don't know uh-huh. how you got back here." Yeah. Part of Hootie's team. <laughs> yes, yeah. and they were probably like doing cocaine and stuff <laughs> too. Yeah. Not really a 16 year old type of environment. Yeah. <laughs> It was probably for the better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could have been a totally different person today. <laughs> <laughs> if you had realized who Keith Urban was and got backstage for Who Did the Blowfish. Yeah. What a day. <laughs> what a day. <laughs> yeah. So maybe a year after the Keith Urban incident, <laughs> as it shall the now incident. be called, <laughs> I was uh, still in the same band, mm-hmm. but we were starting to get a little heavier. Okay. So... Not quite like metal, but yeah. we're we're like hard rock at this point. <laughs> and also, this is still at a point where it was kind of this weird thing where like my mom plays keys and my parents are very sweet and have always been like very supportive, but my dad is not musical at all. Mm-hmm. My dad's like, you know, was in the Marines and fought in Vietnam and like, you know, he's like a... He's like in construction. He does like flooring and all this stuff. And so not a musician at all, but you know, so doesn't really understand that world, but was always very supportive. So anyways, um, so this was still at a point where they were like coming to my shows a lot and all this stuff. So we played with this other band that was around our, the same age. So at this point we're probably maybe 17 now. And, uh, this other band, they were a similar ages as, as all of us were, and we played this. We booked a show in Helena, at the Helena Amphitheater. Put on our own our own gig, which I wish there was more of that. Like I wish like younger yeah. bands would just maybe there is maybe I just don't know. But I just feel like that's just so cool when you're yeah. in a young like and you're in a band for starting out and you can just book your own show. Right. I I just love that. So anyways, we booked this show. We do our set and the band that we were friends with you know some of these people I went to high school with so a lot of people that were in my class were also at the show just hanging out because they knew we were playing they knew my friends were playing Mm -hmm. and this band was also getting heavier with their music as well but they were really starting to like even like scream more and stuff like that but it wasn't full-on like screamo post-hardcore type genre of music and this is super embarrassing, but basically, and I'll and just let me just preface this by saying that I, d- I really do love my parents a lot. So I'm trying not, try, not trying to like knock them or anything, <laughs> but they were uncomfortable mm-hmm. with it. And and there's and I should also preface that there's there's a pretty big like I have two older brothers, so there's a big age gap. 
my oldest brother is 16 years older than I am. Mm-hmm. And my other brother's 10. So by the time I was born, my mom and da- my dad was in his 40s. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely like a generational gap that's probably not not necessarily typical with like a, a parent and their yeah. child. Right. So they have never, don't know anything about this type of music. And, <laughs> you know, they just think, oh my gosh, like... Who knows what they were thinking? So anyways, <laughs> they start screaming. It gets real intense. Something happens. Like, I think my drums were still on stage because the band used my drum kit. Okay, mm-hmm. And I think my parents were a little uncomfortable with that as the show progressed, yeah. knowing that my drums were up there. And one of the members of the band broke their bass guitar on stage. It was like this kind of crazy moment. He like, you know, smashed it. Yeah. And a bunch of other people came on stage and started smashing on the guitar and it got real crazy. And my parents got up on stage and literally put the whole show to a halt. (laughs) A complete halt. (laughs) Like and not even with a mic or anything. They were like, this is enough. We've had enough. Like, no more. We're stopping right now. John, you need to get your drums. Like, we need to pack up your drums. They can't use your drums anymore. We're stopping right now. And all my friends are there. (laughs) And, of course, so, like, I'm a nine. I'm a peacemaker. And so, like, I'm horribly uncomfortable at this point. I'm like, I am torn between I love my parents but I also love music and my friends. And so I'm just like in this world of like, oh my gosh, what am I going <laughs> yeah. to do now? This is the worst thing. <laughs> so yeah, they basically put a stop to the show. And I think, and kind of got, they kind of got a little intent. You know, one of the guitar players for the band had a, he probably had like a rough like family life. Didn't exactly like have a lot of respect for parentals and uh, he said some things and my my parents kind of got into it with them and it was like turned into this thing and so but but it did kind of in okay where they played like one they basically were like kind of at the end of their set anyway so they're like we're just going to play one more song and then we're done so my parents were not happy about it at all but the show did finish (laughs) but there was a whole thing in the middle there or towards the end that was that I had to like had friends coming up to me at school the next day hey I heard your parents stop the show on Friday night that's amazing yeah they did yeah they did stop the show (laughs) how many more shows did they come to after that that was one of their last shows (laughs) the last one you told them about (laughs) oh my gosh yeah so that was that was fun wow so that wasn't really a mistake on my part but it was more of an embarrassment yeah yeah I can't. Maybe it was imagine. a mis- maybe it was a mistake that I let the guy play the drums. Maybe I wouldn't have been in the situation. I don't. Um. I don't know. <laughs> that's a stretch. See, that's I'm trying to give yeah. everyone the benefit of a doubt. Yeah, right. Of know. course. Of course. They were they were being your parents and they were being protecting. Yes. You know, that's that's yes, their that's job. Right. That's right. So sweet of them. When Ashley and I got married, we went on our honeymoon to uh, Antigua. Antigua. It's actually called Antigua. I thought it was always Antigua, mm-hmm. but it's Antigua. So anyways, uh, but it's in the Caribbean. So we had a great time there. It was awesome. Great honeymoon, all inclusive. But we did we did do something kind of out of character. I think it there's an element of it that I guess you could look at and it became a mistake. It was it was totally, you know, oblivious at the time that it was happening. I would have never known that this would have happened, but 
But it actually, in hindsight, it could have, the situation probably could have turned out a whole lot worse. But, you know, maybe it was, we just kind of got into a situation. So there would always be people that would come up while you're on the beach and they were like offering different services or whatever, like, you know, I mean, we just all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. And the hotel, so this wasn't really like an Americanized resort either. It was actually kind of, I wouldn't call it local, but I think it was owned by uh, someone from the UK or something like Mm -hmm. that. So it wasn't like a sandals type chain resort. It was, it was very kind of like a one-off type situation, but it was still an all-inclusive and it was very nice. And they would always say like, listen, like, you know, you're going to have people come up to you on the beach that are going to offer you to, you know, to, you know, jet skis or whatever the heck is going on. Like, just say no, like we have all of our programs and we we can do whatever for you guys. Like Mm -hmm. we can, we, we offer anything that anyone else is going to offer. So just go through us because it's just better, safer that way. Um, Well, anyways, so, but this guy, you know, we see him a lot and he wanted people, uh, he had a boat. And he would take people snorkeling. And so we kind of wanted to go snorkeling. And there was a big tour that we could have chose to go on uh, with a bunch of people. But for whatever reason, I I think about this now and I'm just like, we were freaking crazy. (laughs) So we go snorkeling with this local on his boat. Mm -hmm. And it's just the three of us <laughs> in a foreign country. Yeah. So there's a part of me that's like, I mean, he comes to the beach every day. Like he's trustworthy. And like, you know, at the end, like everything, nothing crazy happened, but I think back like, Holy crap, what could have happened? But we're literally driving on the boat for like 10 or 15 minutes. And I just keep thinking like, man, we're really going way out here. Like what <laughs> is going to happen? Like this could, could this turn out bad? I don't know. It's cool. Let's just keep going. going. Oh yeah. He, he offered us, he offered us drinks. Yeah. Let's take some drinks, like some rum and Cokes. Like, yeah, yeah man, we're all into it. Like, I mean, just making any mistakes that like, so we go snorkeling and it's actually amazing because it's literally just us and we can see the other boat, like the much bigger boat with a bunch of people and it's very crowded. We are like, man, I think like we made a good decision. So we go back and really kind of the mistake of the whole thing is that the next day, it, it looks like that I start to get like this weird sunburn line on my face. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. It's like, like right here on my forehead. Straight across your eyebrows. And kind of like around my eyes a little bit so i just we just thought uh, it's just kind of like you got sunburned like it's just weird let's just put some lotion on it or whatever but like keeps getting worse and worse and the more Mm. we put put lotion on it and basically what it turned out was that i got a rash from the snorkel there was something some sort of chemical or something that he used to clean the thing yeah and it turned into this crazy rash and ashley had no idea so then she felt really bad when we got home because we got home and saw my mom and mom was like, oh yeah, that's a rash. You don't stop putting lotion on that. Like don't <laughs> oh, do no. that. So then Ashley felt really bad, you know, like being a newlywed and stuff. Yeah. So that was what happened with that <laughs> little rash uh. in the Caribbean. But luckily it was at the end of our honeymoon. So it didn't yeah. like that's really ruin day. anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah that was but I do think back like, could that have situation have turned out worse? <laughs> It probably could have on the boat with this guy that we don't know. Yeah, yeah. Just no alone. cell phones. 
in drinking, the middle of the ocean. Drinking, drinking. <laughs> this rum that he has on the boat. And yeah, so this one time, Ashley and I went to Atlanta. I, I actually went there a day early because I was uh, doing like this live recording for this artist. And uh, so I got there like a day or two early to do some rehearsals and things. So we drove separately. And uh, our day off that we had, we decided like we're in Atlanta, so obviously we're gonna go to IKEA, buy some furniture. That's what everybody does in Atlanta. Yeah. So we go to IKEA, and I think yeah, Moses, Moses, our oldest, he was still pretty young at this point, like not very old. And uh, so, anyways, we go to IKEA. We we spend money on a bunch of stuff, you know. So we're already kind of feeling bad about spending money. Oh, oh, and we had uh, actually just bought the house that we just, the one that we just sold mm-hmm. this week. This was like like a week or two after we bought this house. So we bought we bought that house. We put a bunch of money into the house too, like kind of right away. Yeah. So like we're already kind of in this like weird space of like, man, it just feels like money is just coming and going. What the heck is going on? <laughs> we drive separately. And we leave Ikea and Atlanta, as you know, uh, is always crazy traffic, always Mm -hmm. super busy. And we're coming up upon this intersection and I see that the light is green, but people are not really moving yet. And we're coming up on it. And I was, I wouldn't say I was going fast, but like, I kind of had to like, lay on the brakes a little bit Mm -hmm. and Ashley was behind me Mm -hmm. in her car with Moses. (laughs) And, uh, so you see where this is going now. (laughs) (laughs) So I make it okay, but she does not. And I see her coming towards me in the rear view mirror and I sort of brace and she hits the car and it like ruins her car like real bad. It's and 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 the the force and the speed of her car hitting mine forces me into the car in front of us. Yeah. So we hit that car too. So we kind of get off. Well, the me and the other guy, the guy that I ran into, we got off the road. Ashley was like freaking out mm. because she was afraid that something happened to Moses. Moses was totally fine. Like he was okay, mm-hmm. but she was freaking out and didn't, and didn't realize like even what was going on with like the controls. So she started like going backwards for a second. Mm. Cause I guess she didn't realize maybe she was not in park or something. Maybe she'd accidentally put it in neutral. Yeah. And so she's like freaking out. So yeah, so that was uh, a pretty big mistake because we basically, her car was totaled. And this was actually not too long after we got that car. So we we had a payment on it. Yeah. And we just bought the house Uh, and then put all this money into it. And then we had just went to Ikea, uh, dropped $600 or something uh, crazy like that. Yeah. And now both of our, both of our cars are wrecked. (laughs) So her car gets totaled. I take mine in. I had an older O2 Forerunner, and they total it too, really? just because because it's so old, the, the old, years, and yeah. just the value. So both cars totaled in a single accident. Dang. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that, that sucks. got caused by yourself. <laughs> that we did to ourselves. Yeah, the cop. I remember the cop got there, and we waited a long time because it's Atlanta. And the cop got there and he's like making jokes about it because he finds out that we're married. He's like, okay, so 
So you hit him and you guys are married. So do you guys have any problems right now? Is everything all right? Like, do we need to talk about anything? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh my gosh, it was horrific. And then you're in not. So all that to boot, you're like in a, in not even in your hometown. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't remember what we did. We had her car towed locally to like a shop and they totaled it. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to drive my car back. I had to like zip tie the, um, had to zip tie the hood down, do all this crazy stuff. Ashley had to rent a car and drive it home. I mean, it was just like, wow, it was really bad. We were, that was, that was a mistake. Yeah. (laughs) Jeez. That's crazy. Thanks so much for being on. Yeah, we really Thank appreciate it. Thank you for it. having me. Do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, definitely check out uh, Shades Songs. We have an Instagram and all that good stuff, and we put out uh, some church music, if you will, and um, we've got a working on a record, and hopefully that'll be coming out this year at some point. Yeah, I play. Uh, there's a guy that I play for named Jeremy Moore. Go check out his stuff. Mm-hmm. He's got some great music. He has a, a mixture of things. He has singer-songwriter stuff that's really great. Um, he has uh, he actually has like a hymns record that's really cool, um, some redone hymns. So check that stuff out. Maybe maybe one day I'll start. Me and Kyle Carpenter talked about starting an ambient project where we just do like ambient like soundscapes, like very minimalistic yeah. instrumentation. So I'll go ahead and plug that just in case it happens one day. So everyone be on the lookout for that. It's going to be really great. And uh, the record will be out sometime in the future. (laughs) Name to be determined. I like it. (laughs) It's just the push y'all need. It's just the push that we need. Sometimes you got to get an early go at it. Yeah. 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 Now all our followers will be expecting that, so yeah. don't let them down. <laughs> now I've put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, and me and John. Bo- yeah, and on top of that, let's talk about more bands that I want to start that aren't. Uh, <laughs> me and John start Ball. Calling people out. <laughs> yeah, me and John Ball are going to start a band that uh, is. It's just a two-piece band. It's going to be drums and bass. It's going to be very heavy. And lots of screaming. Oh, yes. Nice. And so that's going to happen at some point in the near future as well. So be on the lookout for that band. The music is really good. <laughs> I hope that's the name of the band. The music is really good. Yeah. That's a perfect band name. Or just an album name. That's a yeah. great album name. Yeah. The music is really good. Trust Period. us. Trust us. Statement fact. Yeah. So yeah. So good. I love it. Sweet. Thanks again. Well, thank yeah, you thank guys. you. Much love. Bye. Bye. Peace. This is a mistake. People are always telling me like, you got to listen to this. Like, you know, true crime is very popular right now. I, yeah. I lo- you know, that I stuff's murder, great. So I listen That's to great. This. My <laughs> wife listens to that all the time. It's always women. It's always women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Women. Really yeah. What is, is that? I don't I understand. Don't understand. What is it?